are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. When I was in college a long time ago, I got involved with a couple of Christian fellowship groups. That was a point in my life where I wanted to learn about what being a Christian was all about. So we'd get together on a regular basis for Bible study and prayer and music and lots of conversations, small group conversations as well. And those times were really important for me, really important for my faith development. But looking back, I realized the focus was a little bit on the narrow side. There was a lot of focus on me personally getting a place in heaven and on personal morality things. A lot of talk about drinking and sex and, and, and stuff like that. Um, good conversations, but it seemed a little bit narrow. At the same time, in college, first year in college, I started exploring the world and asking lots of questions about the world, about human suffering and poverty and hunger and things like that. So I got involved with groups that were doing all sorts of things. I had, to, <clears throat> I had to write a paper for my English class, my English 101 class. We had to do a research paper. Pick your own topic. I picked world hunger. I looked at examples from the school cafeterias around the country of how much food got thrown out, food waste, food, world hunger, all those sorts of things. I still remember um, how impactful that was for me. So I started getting involved with peace and justice groups, I involved with apartheid in South Africa and the Contra war in Nicaragua, learning about the world, learning about war and peace, justice issues, all that sort of stuff. So it was um, kind of interesting. One night I'd go to a Christian fellowship group, and then the next night I'd go to the Save the World group. And at some point, I started to ask, how come we're not talking about all this world stuff in the Bible studies? How come we're not talking about that in our Christian fellowship groups? How come we're just talking about me or us getting to heaven and not talking about this world right here, right now? The more I read the Bible, the more I saw Jesus feeding hungry people and reaching out to the outcasts and the forgotten people and, and having challenging words for the political and religious, religious authorities of his day. The more I read the Bible, the more I saw the prophets speaking out against injustice and greed and um, people paying uh, for poor wages to their workers, all sorts of stuff like that. I, I was inspired by messages in the scriptures about peace, about God's shalom, about working for justice and righteousness in the world. I began to realize that, yes, God does care about personal morality, but God also cares a whole lot, maybe a whole lot more, about the conditions in the world. Thinking about what Jesus did in his life, in his ministry, he was focused on people's lives, daily lives, right there, right then, right, right now. So around that time, I learned about a quote by a famous 20th century theologian named Karl Barth, who famously said, we must hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Um, I actually brought in my, my, my newspaper today. I'm one of those people, we get a, um, you know, one of those hard copy newspaper, we get a Sunday New York Times. I used to deliver the paper when I was a kid. I'm sort of attached to this, and it just feels, feels good to me. So we just get the Sunday paper. Um, and I enjoy Sunday afternoons, having some time to read that and reflect on that. Um, it's a good, good experience for me. Um, but, you know, for today, maybe the, 
the, the better image is instead of saying, got to hold the paper in one hand and the Bible in the other hand, it's like when you have your news app open, you should have your Bible app open at the same time, right? Bounce back and forth between the two. As Christians, we're called to love our neighbors. So this means we need to be concerned about the world around us. If we're supposed to love our neighbors, we need to know about the conditions in which they find themselves living. So whether we're reading or scrolling the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or whatever, we need to have the Bible accessible as well. And doing that, reading or scrolling the news, is really an act of faith. It's part of our Christian life when we do that with our eyes wide open. This idea of connecting our faith or connecting our faith with the daily world and when we, when we read the news, it's really um, it's part of the constitution of the Presbyterian Church. It's in the Book of Order, and it's actually one of the um, items in this list of ministry of members that we've been focusing on um, last week and this week and the next two coming Sundays. We've got 12 things in our constitution, in our Book of Order, that describe what being a Christian is all about. Um, some of you were here last week. We, we read them out loud. We're not going to read them all out loud this week, but there's seven in the first slide and five in the second slide. Um, and they're all together, um, the emphasis for our building blocks series this month. We're thinking about the building blocks of Christian life, which really are those 12 things that we try to do together. And please take note, as I mentioned last week, no one should look at that list and, and expect to be doing all of them well. Nobody can do that, right? But we look at that list and we find one or two or three that maybe we can work on, maybe we can own for ourselves and, and make that our goal, trusting that as part of a community, other people will be taking care of the other ones. So we just want to highlight a few of them this month to encourage you to be thinking about the building blocks for your own personal life as a Christian and for our life together, to know that other people are working on these things as well. Last week, we focused on <clears throat> supporting the ministry of the church through the giving of money, time, and talents. Next week, we're focusing on lifting one another up in prayer, mutual concern, and active support, how we take care of one another, how we're called to take care of one another in the community and beyond the community. Two weeks from now, we're going to look at the last item on the list, the 12th item, which is reviewing and evaluating the integrity of one's membership, sort of, sort of a, a, a gut check, if you will, about how are we doing as a Christian? Are we, are we doing a decent job? Are there ways that we could enhance our Christian living? Uh, can we make it more meaningful? And today, we're focusing on the bullet point of studying Scripture and the issues of Christian faith and life. Studying Scripture and the issues of life, Christian faith and life, okay? And actually, um, well, let's, let's read that one out loud together. Will you read it with me? Just studying scripture and the issues of Christian faith and life, right? That's one of our callings, one of our invitations for Christian living. And among these 12 items on this list, there are several others that relate to that. And we're going to look at those and read those out loud as well responding to God's activity in the world through service to others, living responsibly in the personal, family, vocational, political, cultural, and social relationships of life, and then finally, working in the world for peace, justice, freedom, and human fulfillment. Together, these are our 
building blocks that we're working on this month. If you want to spend some more time reflecting on them, we actually have the whole list printed on the back of the prayer list, which you can find in the back of the sanctuary. Those of you online can find it in our Worship HQ section. Hope you'll take a look at that and prayerfully ponder what one of those building blocks are your strong points and how you can build on that. The basic idea for today We're looking at this one about studying scripture and the issues of Christian faith and life. And the idea is that we as Christians need to know what's going on in the world around us to engage with these issues in in simple words, real simple words. I think as Christians, we're called to do what we can to make this world a better place. And to do that, we need to know what's going on in the world. You know, Jesus said, thy kingdom, uh, you know, taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we do Bible study Um, with focus on what's happening in the world, in our neighborhoods, our history, and our culture. We're called to study these issues together. Two weeks ago, a lot of you were here. Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. William Yu was here to help us think about these issues in a very similar way, thinking about slavery and how Presbyterians, sadly, were generally very supportive of slavery in the early part of the 20th century, including pastors and professors and, and church leaders who, the way they were reading the Bible... They were, they were seeing it that way. Well, he helped us to think about justice, to think about reading the scriptures, thinking, growing, changing, growing in new ways, and wrestling with this theme of justice that comes out in the scripture reading that I'm going to do in just a minute from the prophet Amos. Um, he shared that reading two weeks ago. It's worth sharing again because the prophet Amos had sharp words eight centuries before the time of Jesus apparently for a community of people who were gathering in some sort of place to worship God together. And those people in that worship space apparently were totally disinterested in the issues of the world around them. Maybe they weren't reading their scripture and reading their newspapers at the same time or their stone tablets or however they transmitted news in those days. Um, Or maybe they were reading those stone tablets or their newspapers or whatever, and they weren't connecting the dots. They weren't doing anything with that information. So God spoke to Amos, and Amos spoke to the people, the people who were gathered in worship, who were ignoring pain and suffering and human reality outside the the walls of their worship space. And God said through Amos these very sharp words, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being from your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. They didn't get it. They weren't getting it back then. Amos had to come and scream and yell at them and say, hey... It's not enough to sing beautiful songs and to gather for worship. You've got to put that stuff in action. You've got to make a difference. There's injustice happening in the world. So let that justice flow like waters, let righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Martin Luther King used these words famously in the civil rights struggle, as Dr. Yu pointed out two weeks ago. Wonderful imagery. By the way, if you missed Dr. Yu's sermon or class, both are available on our website, and they're worth your time and effort this afternoon, especially the Packers aren't playing this weekend, I think. They've got to buy, right? So you got a little extra time. Why not? And I think we have a couple extra copies of his book available as well. So in light of all this, 
Let's think about the gospel reading for today. Leroy did a fantastic job reading it. Thank you, Leroy. Marge did a wonderful job of sharing it with the children. I'd like to come back to it one more time in the spirit of thinking about things in new ways. There's that famous quote that I've shared before about parables, that Jesus' um, Jesus's parables are meant to tease the mind into active thought, right? So I want to tease our mind into some active thought about this parable of the Good Samaritan. So we've heard the story twice. There's somebody gets beaten up on the side of the road. The religious people walk by, don't care about him. This foreigner, this despised foreigner helps him out. Okay, let's play with the story a little bit. Let's pretend the next day it happens again. There's a guy who gets beaten up and he's on the side of the road. The religious people walk by. Maybe this time they help, maybe they don't. Samaritan walks by. Maybe he helps again. Um, Who knows? Let's say it happens another day. And another day and another day. At what point do the religious leaders and the Samaritan start thinking, we need to do something. Something's not right here. We need to ask some questions. When do they go to the nearest town and start saying, hey, People getting beaten up on the road all the time. Do we, do we need some better lighting on this road? We need more police presence? Or maybe there's a problem with the judicial system or the corruption in the, in the police force? Or maybe there's not enough jobs in the community? Maybe there's not enough activities for young people to be involved with? You know, start asking all those questions to get to the root of the problem. Why is this happening day after day after day? The charity is great. Thank you, Samaritan. Thank you for, you know, taking care of the person and going to the inn and, you know, getting your Venmo out and paying the innkeeper for, you know, all of that. That was wonderful. Thank you. Charity is great, but at some point, if the problems persist, you got to do a little bit more, right? Like, let's pretend you've got a cut on your arm. You go to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, I'm going to put a Band-Aid on that. And okay, you go home, things are better. It starts bleeding again the next day. You go back, another Band-Aid. At what point is the doctor going to say, well, the Band-Aids are good, but we need to get to the root of the problem and figure out why your arm keeps bleeding, right? Sometimes we need to dig a little deeper and get beyond the charity, get beyond the Band-Aids to get to the root of the problem. And I think as Christians, that's part of our calling. Earnestly seeking justice and righteousness, earnestly working for God's kingdom and God's realm means we have to move beyond those band-aids and seek deeper questions, ask deeper questions about systems and structures. But asking questions sometimes can be a little bit dangerous. I've spent a lot of time in Latin America and know about long history of dictatorships and oppression and violence, human rights people, church leaders. Um, And there's this wonderful quote from a bishop in Brazil who said, when I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why people are poor or why people are hungry, they call me a communist, right? So the Band-Aids are generally okay, but when you start getting to the root issues, sometimes that stirs up a little bit of trouble. Well, Jesus was all about asking questions and getting to the root of problems, and I have always appreciated that about him. Jesus asked a lot of questions, like in that parable of the Good Samaritan. Remember, the the question began, like, who is my neighbor? (laughs) And Jesus told that story, and then he ended, he didn't really answer the question. He didn't say who the neighbor was. He he asked a question to answer the question. He said, who acted like a neighbor? And by one count, Jesus asked at least 130 questions throughout the Gospels. He asked questions like, who acted like a neighbor? Or why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye when you don't see the plank in your own? What good is it to gain the world and forfeit your soul? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Do you love me? Jesus asked. If we're going to be serious about Christian faith, we need to 
ask questions and we need to wrestle with questions. Our congregation is a Matthew 25 congregation, and this is an initiative of the Presbyterian Church that's inspired by the 25th chapter of Matthew's gospel, the parable of the sheep and the goats, where Jesus tells his followers, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. They're surprised because they didn't think they saw Jesus. And he said, whenever you do something like this for the least of my brothers and sisters, you've done it for me. So I think Jesus wants us to look around and see the face of God in everyone, to, to look at people as fellow human beings and show some compassion and concern and work for well-being. So we signed on to this initiative to be a Matthew 25 congregation along with hundreds of other congregations around the country. That's why on the back of the bulletin, maybe you notice this, we've got this, got the little logo there that you see on the screen. It's on the back of your bulletin, pretty little logo, right? It's there, you might have wondered what that's all about. Well, Matthew 25, we're a Matthew 25 congregation. We're actually our presbytery, our regional governing body, Presbyterian Church, John Knox Presbytery. We are a Matthew 25 presbytery as well. So we try to wrestle with these, um, these issues, the three um, prongs, if you will, of a Matthew 25 initiative is building congregational vitality, dismantling structural racism, and eradicating systemic poverty. So we work on these issues and we wrestle with these issues and um, they're hard, they're complicated. No, I mean, dismantling and eradicating, that's hard work. You know, it's one thing to think about racism, think, well, I have a, I have a black friend, so... That's nice. I'm not racist, right? Or to say, well, somebody's poor. Well, I gave a dented can of almost expired green beans to the food bank, so that, I'm helping with poverty, right? I mean, charity and being nice is good, but this initiative and just thinking sincerely about the gospel it leads us to ask these deeper questions and start wrestling with the challenge of dismantling structural racism, and eradicating systemic poverty. Those are ambitious goals, and it's hard work, and we're really just beginning here. I love the fact that this congregation has people who are committed to wrestling with complicated and difficult questions about racism. They've been doing that for years and helping us. They helped make, make, get Dr. Yu here because they read his book and wrestled with that. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for people who are... Um, long history with Guatemala. We've been there for a long time. We've helped in a lot of ways. We've learned in a lot of ways. We've been blessed in a lot of ways, and we're starting to ask more questions about the systemic poverty that's in Guatemala and the political corruption that's in Guatemala, and maybe we can help with that. I don't know, but at least we're starting to ask those questions. It's really important. We need to move beyond charity and move towards seeking God's kingdom, God's justice, and God's righteousness. So I'm grateful to be in a congregation that's not afraid to ask these questions. I have one final thought, and then I'll wrap things up. I, like I said, I get this hard copy of the New York Times um, every Sunday. I enjoy going home most Sunday afternoons, relaxing a little bit, and reading the news. But sometimes it's hard. And I've had conversations and other people. It's, it's hard sometimes to read the news. I mean, big headline last week about the horrors in Israel. Other stories about poverty and about corruption and you know, all around, there's a horrible earthquake in Afghanistan. Nobody heard about it because we were all focused on Israel. I mean, there's a lot of bad news out there, and it's overwhelming, and it's hard. So when I get thinking like that, um, well, sometimes I'll confess. 
I, I start reading, and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. And I just, I skip to the book review. I start thinking about the novel that I want to read next. I, or I'll skip to the um, puzzle section and start doing the Ken-Ken. I really enjoy the Ken-Ken puzzles. And that's, that's a whole lot easier than asking those hard questions. And I do that sometimes. And in terms of the Middle East, you know, uh, my, my best friend in the world, Jewish friend, he emailed me or texted me yesterday. He's like, what are you going to say in your sermon tomorrow? You know, it's a complicated subject. And I'll confess, I'm just overwhelmed um, with the long-standing history and pain that's happened in the Middle East. I don't understand all the issues. I do know they go back decades and centuries, and it's not as simple as what the headlines are. And I'm grateful that there are people in the Presbyterian Church who are more deeply invested in that particular area than I am. We, all, you know, we need to pick and choose what we can invest our time in. And that's what brings me, my, the, the story I want to share is about a friend of mine named Maria, who has spent a long time in the church in another state, and she's been very involved in Central America issues for a long time, in Guatemala and elsewhere. And sometimes, as I, this, this has happened to me too, when, when you're involved in church work in another country, people will ask or say, you know, we should take care of the people closest to us first and let those other people take care of themselves. Or, you know, charity begins at home. And I've heard that in a variety of ways, and it's an understandable sentiment. Well, Maria has a very good answer to that response. She talks about all the suffering and pain and challenge and hardship in the world and says that nobody can do anything, that she has chosen to focus her energies on Central America. And then she'll ask the person who asked her the question, said, what are you choosing to focus on? Not being as snarky or smart-alecky about it, but really encouraging the sense that all of us can find some way something to engage, some way to help, some way to make a difference, some, at least to read the articles about a particular issue or concern or grow in wisdom about that particular area of concern. Nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. So maybe you don't read every article in the Sunday New York Times and feel overwhelmed, but maybe you read a few and think, okay, how can I, how can I help with that? You read these things, and let, let me encourage you if, you, if you read the news this week some point, Try to think about Jesus, you know, Bible in one hand, news in the other. Think about Jesus saying, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. I was dealing with systemic poverty and trapped and couldn't get out. And because you asked some questions and helped change the system, things got better for me and other people. I was victimized by centuries of um, institutional racism but because you spoke up and made a difference. Things got a little bit better for me right? Jesus is calling us to love one another. God loves us, and God loves the world. God wants us to find ways to love our neighbors. So let's not grow weary in doing what is right. We're blessed to be a blessing. To those of us who've been given much, much is expected. And may God give us the strength so that we're not overcome with evil, but that we can overcome evil with good and continue this day and every day seeking first God's kingdom, God's realm. Thanks be to God. Amen.